Welcome back to another episode of Artist to Artist presented by Artist Public. I'm Nick. That's Christian. That's the only time this intro ever makes sense because we're next to each other. Now, please remember, give us a five-star rating. Give the five. I'm kidding. You don't have to, but like, it'd be nice. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Comment on YouTube, like on YouTube, share, share it with your friends, your mom's dog walkers, sisters, uncles, cousins, babies, whoever. Let's get out there. Now, with that, let's speaking of getting out there, Christian, what is getting out there on the news today? So this is interesting. Um, the music industry's leading trade organizations, as quoted, um, have collectively slammed Twitter and Jack Dorsey for not taking down copyrighted material fast enough. Um, I guess there's been an uh, issue lately with Twitter and copyrighted music content, and uh, it looks like Twitter has been dragging their feet on striking that down. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I think that just got more interesting, um, especially because Twitter just bought Tidal. Um, now Twitter owns their own streaming network. Well, Jack Dorsey does through Square. But yes, so they own title now. So that's interesting. The second piece about that, though, is goes back to a lot of conversations I've had with artists, which actually say, don't copyright your music when you're an independent artist. Don't put the copyright claims on your music because you want people to be able to share your music without getting copyright claims. Because there is something to be said about as an artist, just getting out there and then making the money later once you establish your fan base. So I'm kind of bipartisan on it. I think there is something to be said about, yes, like you don't want people ripping off your music. But at the same time, you know, music is meant to be shared and you want, like you're never going to grow your fan base if you don't let people share your music. Um, and so I think it's kind of 50-50. I'm, I'm really 50-50 on it, which is like, yeah, you don't want people ripping off your music, but you also don't want to stop people from sharing um, that's what I'm going to say on it. Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting uh, thing to mention. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you, you. I think you've actually changed my opinion by saying that. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with our next guest. I'm glad I changed your opinion. I'm, I'm so glad. With that, yes, let's bring in Sarah Beth Perry. She is probably one of the most awesome people I've met. We had her on Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago. Once again, if you want to find out about Clubhouse events, go to blog.artistrepublic.com forward slash Clubhouse, upcoming, upcoming Clubhouse, something. We'll put the link in the description. If you want to hop on Clubhouse events, um, we have one place where you can find all the best music industry Clubhouse events. Um, it's pretty sick. Check it out. Um, also check out Indie Revolution on Clubhouse for more live events from us. So yes, Sarah Beth Perry is the founder and CEO of With The Band, a fan engagement platform where fans, artists feel a part of something bigger than themselves through a fan community. Sarah has grown with the, with the band from an idea in her dorm room to captivating arenas with fan engagement act activations for artists like the Jonas Brothers, Casey and Casey Musgraves. After being a fangirl herself, she realized there was an opportunity to create a better relationship between an artist and their fans. She has created fan activations with over 37,000 fans, creating both the Jonas Brothers and Casey Musgraves fan projects, being ranked number one as the best fan project on Google. Her and her team are also getting ready to launch a new platform that provides turnkey solutions for artists to manage and monetize their fan base through Fan Crew, their modern day version of a fan club. 
So with that, let's bring her in and let's dive in more. Let's get this started, Sarah. Um, great to meet you. Uh, I, I love to start these things off by just giving our audience kind of an idea of who you are and what you do. So if you just want to break it down for us, that'd be great. Yeah, totally. Uh, so thanks for having me. My uh, name is Sarah Beth Perry, and I'm the founder and CEO of With The Band. And uh, really kind of my backstory was I grew up in Nashville, knew I always wanted to do music. Uh, and then as I got older, my sister and I became the typical fangirls of the classic boy bands, uh, went to all the shows, stood out in the lines, uh, really remember you're seeing these groups of fans congregate and the artist teams weren't involved. Uh, and I really felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity. And then didn't really think much of it until I went to Belmont University, double majored in music, business and entrepreneurship. And then through that, actually, you know, learned that there's more jobs in the music industry than just, you know, an artist and a label and really realized that, you know, someone had to be doing something with fan engagement. And that is exactly what I wanted to do. And so I actually went out Googling and searching for this dream company that I wanted to work for and I could not find it anywhere. Uh, and so that was really kind of what has brought me up to this point of starting with the band. Uh, which is, you know, what I'm doing now. And really where we started at With The Band is completely different than where we are, you know, in 2021. Uh, but initially we had an app that enabled fans and artists to create and participate in these fan projects and fan meetups. And then we started partnering with artists to create these huge fan activations. Uh, obviously COVID hit, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that later, but now we've transitioned to a brand new platform that we're about to launch that really enables an artist to better manage uh, and own their fan base. That's awesome. I love that. And, you know, we, we did like a little brief intro on with the band um, and you kind of touched on it really briefly, but I would love to hear a little bit more about it, kind of expand on, you know, what that is and how it works for the fans. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I can say initially what we had was both an Apple Android app where any fan could get on, create an account, and they could create or join a fan project or fan meetup all over the world. Uh, and so that's how it kind of initially started. And fans were creating these projects. And then uh, it's kind of interesting. I didn't mean to start working with artists as soon as we did. I initially, when we were launching, I've completely bootstrapped the company. And so we basically listed out 10 different marketing tactics and thought, well, let's put a little money at each of them. And then whatever works, we'll spend more money there. And one of those tactics happened to be the first really big fan activation we put on at the Jonas Brothers show. And that one just like went way better than we ever expected. And it ended up getting the attention of all the other artists we then worked with thereafter. Uh, but what we did for that one is we got together a group of fans, printed out 16,000 signs, uh, that said, thank you for coming back to us. And then depending, uh, or so sorry, the Jonas Brothers just came out with like their reunion album. That was their reunion tour. And then they had a song called Comeback. And so on the back of the sign, it had instructions for the fan to hold it up during the song Comeback. And just like went way better than we ever expected. All the guys are crying on stage, like half the arena was crying and uh, ended up getting written up by a bunch of major press outlets. And then from that got the attention of Casey Musgraves. And then we ended up partnering with her and we created a rainbow during the song rainbow at her sold out national show. Uh, and so depending on where the fan was sitting, they had a different color sign that had Casey's logo on it and had 
instructions on the back for the band to actually hold it up to their phone flashlight. So it created this like glowing sea of rainbow lights. Uh, and so that was kind of the initial start of with the band. That's so cool. So you're kind of, I mean, in a way, taking the idea of a concert and flipping it on its head, you're like giving the artist a show at that point. Like yeah. they get to see what you're doing for them. And I, I think that's, I mean, in a way it's beautiful. I, I love the concept behind it. Um, you know, for you personally, I know you said that you grew up as a fangirl, you know, what was it yeah. like for you doing something like that at a Jonas Brothers concert and like seeing their reactions to what you put together? Yeah, um, it was definitely overwhelming for sure because like being real, the first band or the first artist in general, I remember loving were the Jonas Brothers. And so that was such a full circle moment for me. Um, at the time I was like, not that big of a fan, but it was just, you know, thinking, oh, like I know their fan base well. I know, I, at least I hope this will work. Um, and so in that moment when everything was happening, I just, we were so anxious <laughs> beforehand, hoping like, oh, I just a few hundred people will hold it up. Like that's all we were hoping for. Um, and then when it started happening and just seeing this like sea of white signs, um, I was like bawling, crying, and this we could even hear uh, my best friend, who's now a uh, coworker at with the band. Uh, she always talks about there's this kid behind us, and he was like, "Mom, why the heck are these girls crying?" <laughs> and we were just sobbing because it really—I've never felt a moment in, more in my life than in that moment of this is what I meant to do, like hundred percent, hands down, uh, because it—it it was so cool of just—it was a, such a learning experience too of how much ownership the fans then had after and looking on social media and Nick Jonas, of course, posted about it, but then looking at all the fans posts and seeing like their comments saying, I'm so honored. I got to be part of this show. Like this was my favorite show. This is the first show I've taken my daughter to. And I'm so glad it was this one. This was the part she was most excited about during the show. Uh, and it really brought in this ownership from the fan that I've never seen before at a show, which was super cool. Yeah, and I think that's like a good point because, you know, fan engagement is a massive piece of concerts that I don't think has really ever been embraced that much. Yeah. Um, and especially when it's embraced from the artist, it really makes an impact. Like the first concert that I think I ever had strong fan engagement at was I went to Zed Red Rocks in Colorado. Uh, probably alone, just one of the biggest concerts I've ever been to. And, but when you walked in, everyone had a colored band. And mm, so yeah. obviously during the entire Zed's, you know, concert, um, all of our bands were basically lighting up to match the, you yeah. know, lights on the stage. And when, when you saw that and you felt that, like everyone was Snapchatting that, everyone was taking pictures of that, Zed's posting pictures of it. And it's just like, it's so cool that it creates a new type of experience. Um, yeah. And it creates an engaging experience. And it's almost like, you know, it almost goes back into traditional sales, not to get boring, but, you know, I always see those ads for masterclass all the time. And, you know, there's this one sales one that, that you know, masterclass keeps trying to sell me on. Um, and, you know, the snippet of it is this guy saying, you know, you're the last impression is your lasting impression. And all these fan engagements are usually during the headliner, which is the last thing before the end of the show and mm -hmm. those impressions of that concert is what you're going to leave with you're not you're, you know usually going to leave with like oh this is how the show opened you're going to leave with like this yeah. is how the show ended like this crazy thing happened um 
And so that's definitely cool. So let's dive into kind of the second piece now, which is working on, um, you know, your new platform and going with that, what's, you know, what's kind of the big difference between your new platform and with the band, you know, kind of the difference similarities, what do you see going with that uh, and stuff of that sort? Yeah, totally. Uh, so kind of the, what started us thinking about this new piece of software technology that we wanted to build was at the beginning when COVID hit in, you know, April, March, I had some different managers reach out just being like, hey, Zareth, what do we do besides Instagram Live? Uh, and so that kind of sent me down a hole of looking at all the different platforms, tools, strategies that people were using, and how could I help these artists do something that was unique and different and helped, you know, serve them, whether that was like an album launch or they just, or like, for instance, the Jonas Brothers did like a documentary launch. Uh, so basically, I just started researching. And it was through this that I realized how few tools actually existed out there. Uh, and so what I really saw after looking at all the different platforms for smaller level artists, I felt like there were a good amount of tools and resources out there to help them. Uh, so when talking about managing and monetizing your fan base, you're talking about like Patreon memberful. And then we were seeing these medium to larger size artists, they had a newsletter or they had a completely customized app. And that was pretty much it. Uh, on figuring out how to manage and monetize their fan base. And so what we realized was let's make something that's zero startup cost. So it's, you know, not as expensive as creating an app, but just as customizable. Uh, and so we figured out that this would enable artists to create their own fan crew, which is what we call our modern day version of a fan club. And so think of the exact business model of Patreon before the talent level of masterclass. And so we're working with these medium to larger level artists to figure out what benefits they want to offer their fans, what pricing, what is the look and feel, they can change everything. Uh, and so it's both web and app based. And the biggest portion of this when doing all the research I realized was the artist rarely gets to own data. And that was the number one thing that I felt like was really missing for these artists. Even if you look at kind of the substitutes right now of community with texting the phone numbers, the artist actually doesn't own any contact information. So that's, and you're paying money to use that a quite substantial amount. Uh, and so we really wanted to make sure that the artist actually gets to see the email address of the fan. If they ever leave the platform, they get to take that information with them because we do believe it is their fan base. It's not the technology fan base. And so they should be able to own that information. And that's actually something that came up in our last podcast that we actually just recorded, um, which is, you know, yeah, traditionally artists don't own anything. Like when they have followers on Spotify, they literally have no way of reaching them. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's hard. Like imagine running a business that you couldn't send an email blast. Like yeah. it's nuts. Um, and so I, I definitely think that's highly needed. Um, and yeah. so obviously live shows, you, you talked a little bit about COVID. I think so many people have talked about COVID, 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 the, in, you know, how it impacted the music industry, but you know, all that stuff. So my outlook is gonna be a little more happy, which is how do you see fan club breaking, uh, fan, cl fan crew breaking into the market after COVID with live shows coming back? Yeah, totally. Uh, so what kind of the strategy that we saw as is let's build out the best digital tool possible right now. And then once live comes back, we'll add in those live features that we are have already been doing, but also new ones. So 
uh, we definitely plan to, you know, eventually then integrate with the live shows again to create these big fan activations. Uh, and it's just going to be, you know, amplified even more when you actually have a bigger group of fans, you know, of that artist on the platform. And so uh, we definitely see like we'll be in that live space, too. And uh, when creating this, we never thought like, oh, this would only work during COVID. Uh, because even when starting the company, so I started this while I was in school thinking about this idea when I realized there was nothing out there. And that was kind of always my end goal of the company is I wanted to create this modern day version of a fan club. Because when I was younger, like I was a part of the Jonas Brothers fan club. Uh, and then you really saw as social media came, all the fan clubs dissipated. Uh, but then when we were doing our research with fans, one of the biggest things they asked for was community. Uh, which is super interesting that fans felt social media actually diminished that uh, because there was no longer this kind of meeting hub of you, you know, hear about these girls who met like on a Jonas Brothers forum page and were roommates in college. Uh, and so that doesn't really exist much anymore. And so that's what I really wanted to bring back was how can I help other fans today really make friends with other fans in their communities. And I, I definitely like that. I mean, I can definitely speak for myself on that, which is, you know, I have like three friends that we literally all like the same artists. Yeah. And like every time they release an album, like we're up at midnight listening. Um, totally. And, you know, so, you know, but there, but there really isn't, like, I can't find other people that listen to that same artist. Yeah. Just have no, to be totally. like, oh, you, oh, you do like it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, even when, thinking like, on my Instagram followers, like there's still people I follow that I met mm -hmm. in line like 10 years ago at a 21 pilot show or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, these kind of friendships last forever, which is awesome. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that, you know, 10,000%. But with that though, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hit you with what we call the lightning round. Um, lightning round is a bunch of random questions that we have found on the internet, um, that we are going to ask and you pretty much just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, good. totally random doesn't, you know, can be about anything. My first question is, do you think that aliens exist? Yes. yes. Simple There's to no the way. point. There's no way. I mean, if we live in a universe as big as they say it is, we can't yeah. be the only ones. Am I right? Totally. Especially I think the thing too, Yeah. Well, the thing too is like, I, I find it so hard to believe of like, you think of even like vampires or mermaids, like how did someone come up with that without first seeing it? That's the thing that I always come kind of come back to. Mm. That's a really good point. Maybe vampires yeah. do exist. Where are the Collins at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So my lightning round question for you is if you could go back to any period in time and live out the rest of your life there, what would it be? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. I feel like I'd have, like, I'm honestly pretty content with where I am right now in this timeline, but yeah. I feel like the, like the end of the 20s. Like that would have been amazing to go to like the Roaring Twenties parties. Yeah, but the exciting thing is I feel like, yeah, we're going to have those again at the end of COVID. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. That's my, that is my theory that I've had for the last year 
is yeah. once all of this is over, like the roaring twenties is coming. Back. Oh, hundred percent. Like, can you imagine? It's just going to be show after show. Everyone's going to be doing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so ready for it. Oh yeah. I was actually, to be honest, pretty upset about that though. I wish like COVID happened in like 2019 because then like we could have actually had the roaring twenties in the first year of the twenties. Um, because like, even all me and my friends were like joking about it, like before in the end of 2019, we're like, yo, we should just get like a hundred people rent out like some, one of the Newport mansions up here because no one touches them in the winter. And we're like, just host a Gatsby party because it's technically the twenties. Um, but I guess technically it still is the twenties. Um, but I am with you on that. Uh, you know, we're in twenties is going to be a thing again. Um, okay. What would be the cutest animal if it was scaled down to the size of a cat? That's an interesting question. Um, I think maybe like an elephant, like that would be really cute. I was thinking. I was thinking thinking that too. (laughs) We're all on the same page here. That's cool. (laughs) That'd be really adorable. All right. I've got one more for you. And that is if you could have dinner with two people dead or alive, who would they be? That's such a good one. Um, These are all like things I really haven't thought that much about. Um, Oh, there's so many people. I don't know even who to choose from. Uh, Cause it's like, do you want to like almost find out the tea on things? Like <laughs> trying right. to figure out like princess Diana's death. Like, could you try to figure that out? Yeah, uh, they're, they're reborn just for this moment. Yeah. I feel like Dolly Parton also like would be up there. That would be a pretty cool one. Um, it's so hard only two people ah that's a really hard question I honestly think I think the hard thing is too and this is probably like a little Debbie Downer but after working with artists like I don't want to meet some of my favorite artists because a lot of times they disappoint and so I kind of take most artists off the table that's fair I was muted Anyways, Nick, do you have any more? Or do you want to push back I, into the combo? I do have one last question. Um, but I do agree on the artist point. Like, it's like when you meet an artist, like, you're just like, oh, he's a person, like, they're a person. Cool. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Like, you have that minute of, like, fangirling, and then you're just like, all right, they're a person. Totally. Yeah. Especially, too, if you're, like, working with them and something, mm-hmm. you know, there's egos involved. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's not always the best situation. Okay, so here's my last question. If you, <laughs> oh wait, no, I read that wrong and I don't like that question as much. Okay, um, what is the most epic way you've ever seen someone quit or be fired? Oh. You know, I don't, I don't, I just have a lot of bad stories. <laughs> Um, being real I'm pretty young in the workforce so I don't think I've seen that many but I get that yeah that's that's I've really seen an epic one I was gonna say that's a that's a fun tidbit I actually my my job in high school which was probably one of the last jobs I ever worked in my life uh 
I quit one day because it was it was a, a store called West Marine, like boat store. And uh, the new the new people that like came in management were actually like serious. All the other people were just, like, it was a joke. Like I can, I drove a forklift once. Like it was a joke. Um, and uh, one day I like I was like, you know what? I was hosting concerts at the time. I was like, I think I'm hosting concerts. I'm done with this place. I printed off my two weeks notice on their computer in the printer in West Marine and then handed it to them. And I was like, I'm out. That was, that was definitely one of my favorite moments. In fact, I printed it off there. You should have, you should have printed it off on a uh, event flyer and then put, I'm, I'm quitting at the very top of it. Come to my show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm quitting. Come to my concert next weekend. (laughs) All right. So diving back into the fun topic of music and music tech, all this fun stuff. Um, where do you see the future of fan engagement in terms of music technology? Because obviously that is something that has, besides for really you guys, hasn't been touched a lot. So totally. where, do you, where do you see the market, whether it's with what you guys are doing, whether it's other companies starting to come out, where do you see the market going? Yeah, um, I really, I'm honestly really excited for fan engagement because I feel like people are just starting to notice it. Uh, And even, you know, thinking about meetings I've had, I think more people now since COVID has happened are a little more aware of it. But before I could be talking to like a VP of a label, they'd have no idea what a fan project is or that fans do fan meetups. They were pretty, they're so isolated from the fans that they didn't know what the fans wanted. Uh, I think people are becoming more aware that they do need to pay attention to the fans. And so I really think this is just the beginning and it's about to explode Uh, from it was interesting too. I believe this was on our clubhouse chat that someone said this and it made me think, and I keep thinking about it. It's so true of the music industry in itself. You think about any kind of other entertainment, they do a lot of monetization. The music industry now, you could be a fan and never pay for anything. Like you could be a fan and just have a free Spotify subscription, listen to all the music you can consume social media, watch YouTube videos, and you would not have to pay a dime. And to me, that's just like bad business. Like you, you have to start thinking from an artist's perspective as if you're a business and not as if you're an artist or else I feel like you're completely losing track of what you're doing. Uh, obviously I do think like the art and the craft comes first, but if you're not trying to think from a business mind of how to promote that and how to get that out there, then I think you're you know, doing it wrong, or you should just not have a career, but you should just do it on the side. Uh, and so I think you're going to see a lot more monetization, whether that's exclusive content or uh, people just trying to get creative, especially when you can't really do in-person things right now of doing these live streams. I think those will, you know, stay pretty relevant uh, and be able to, you know, if it's an MSG show, they can now live stream it to a fan in Australia can watch it. Um, And it's been interesting too. We have this like IGTV series where we interview fans behind huge fan accounts. And most of them are usually not in the US. And I never realized how few times they actually get to see their favorite artists just because they come nowhere near there. And so, and all of them have traveled already to multiple countries uh, to see their favorite artists, but they'll only come, you know, once or twice in the last like five years to Europe. Uh, And so I think you're just really going to see a lot of more monetization in the next few years. 
So here's here's my question on that, because I think, you know, the music industry in terms of revenue and money generated would be very different if the only way to get music was through iTunes and iTunes never went away because then you're actually buying a song and you're buying an album and you're buying that stuff. But here's now the second part of that, which playing devil's advocate here. Totally. It'd be if NF's album drops today, well, drop today when we're recording this. Yes, I would have paid $14.99 to buy that album. Mm-hmm. But my buddy, who's an independent artist from you know home, if he dropped an album and it was the same price, I probably wouldn't have bought it. I probably just would have been like, oh, this is good. And maybe I would have bought it. But now that it's, I don't have to have any upfront cost on my Spotify account because I'm already paying for it. I'm now able to just add a song to my playlist. I'm like, hey, I like your song. I'll add it yeah. to my playlist. So do you think if there's actually an increase in monetization through direct, you know, purchasing of art, that it actually could add a higher barrier of entry for artists trying to get in to the scene. Yeah, I don't think it's one or the other. I think you should always be doing both. Uh, You know, it's kind of like social media, like with this new fan group platform, I'm not telling you get off of Instagram and TikTok. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this is a thing you should add in. You always need to have those free channels open. It's brand awareness. And so they're just two different, like, I see them as two different branches of your business as you can do this brand awareness stuff, but then you also need to monetize. So I totally agree with you. You know, I wouldn't have bought a smaller artist or someone I didn't know's album. Uh, But if I listen to it, you know, on Spotify, well, then I'm going to be more likely to then follow them on a social media channel and then probably purchase a ticket to their show or, you know, VIP or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just see it more as a funnel. It's kind of like, yeah, exactly. Funnel. Yes, exactly. Um, And, you know, that's definitely a good point because truly, you know, artists would make a lot more money if iTunes was still a thing. Um, And it's definitely not. And also that's why I like with what SoundCloud came out with, which is actually an idea that my buddy had years ago and I'm, I'm kind of mad at him. He never pursued it, which was actually paying an artist directly based on the, the percentage of streams that a user streamed instead of the amount of all users. So, you know, mm-hmm. Spotify is like, hey, for, for people listening that don't know, you know, the way Spotify pays you is, you know, if they make $20 million in a quarter and of that 10 million of it goes to royalties. And of that 10 million, if you only had 1% of the total amount of streams in that quarter, you only get 1% of that $10 million. Now, the new model that's starting to come out, which I think SoundCloud is the first one that's adopting it, and I think it should be, which is your $9.99 a month you pay for Spotify, the percentage of your streams are your, your subscription is paid out to the artists based on your percentage of streams. So if you stream one artist specifically, they're getting the majority of your subscription per month. Um, Because now independent artists, you know, I may stream an independent artist 10 times a month and he may be my most, well, not 10 times, but yeah, he may be my most streamed person, but for the rest of the world, he may not be. So he's making little less amount of money. Um, So yes, I'm with you on monetization. But with that, I saw your microphone on mute, so I'm passing off to you. It's all good. Um, Cool. So I kind of want to bring it back a little bit to the whole fan crew topic. Um, I'm really interested in what you're doing with that. And you know, part of the conversation that we had, you mentioned, you know, you're bringing it back to the fan clubs of Days Gone. And yeah. um, 
you know, again, another thing that you said in that conversation was at some, at some point in history, two people met up at a fan club and they ended up becoming best friends and listening. And then Nick mentioned listening to new albums together and things like that. Um, for fan crew, um, are there any plans for um, virtual integrations of, um, you know, something like Netflix party where like people can listen to something at the same time on the same platform? Or uh, what, what are some innovations that you're doing with fan crew on that level? Yeah, totally. Uh, so we have honestly implemented a lot of things and have a lot of the rest on our roadmap. Uh, and so we definitely our biggest value when building out this platform was how do we create more community. Uh, and so since we, you know, have it, we're about to launch it. But over the past, you know, six, eight months now, we have been doing things kind of like that to start just getting the buzz about it going. And uh, like it was the 10th anniversary of One Direction this summer. And we did a big like 1D fan meetup trivia night. Uh, which was super cool because then it's like a Zoom hangout with people in Australia and Portugal and the Philippines. And it was fans from all over, which was really cool. Uh, but yeah, in the future, we right now we have both a Zoom and YouTube Live API integration that the artists can use. And so uh, they can really get super creative on whether they want to do like a super high tier private hangout with, you know, like 10 fans a month, or they could decide to do a complete live stream or um, there's really just so many different creative ways, whatever you think that you can do, you probably can do it on there. Um, and so we're definitely going to be working in more ways to that fans could do a watch party. They kind of already can with a live stream or, uh, even the, one of the main reasons we built out a YouTube API is because, uh, some different labels asked that they would want to premiere a music video early and the fan crew, but then if you use the YouTube API, it actually starts wrapping up the streams before the video even comes out, uh, just put it unlisted and then eventually make it public. And so uh, we definitely do have plans to do as much community creating as possible. That's great. And that's kind of a perfect segue into my next question where um, the applications of your products for the artists, right? Yeah. Um, you know, of course, this is a very fan heavy experience, um, mm -hmm. but we, you know, we want to kind of angle this towards the artists as well. Um, on your end, you know, what are some of the ways that artists can use fan crew when it launches? Um, and, you know, and this is really for the people that are listening, um, especially the ones that are interested. Yeah, totally. Uh, so the way that we usually kind of set up a fan crew is we definitely talk with the artists and their team and figure out first, what are their priorities? So is that uh, they only are really big artists and only have five minutes a month to work on this or do they want super high monetization? And then we work backwards from those priorities to then figure out, okay, well then what benefits can we offer with those limitations? And then we work on pricing. And so it gives you the flexibility from the artist side of you can post everything from photos, videos, you can do polls of like voting on your next album artwork. Uh, you can also host the live streams and you can geo-target posts to send posts, you know, just to fans in one city. Uh, and so you can get super creative too of even using your fans almost like a street team and having them help promote your music. Uh, so there's pretty much an endless amount of ways that you can really use this not only to make money on your fans data, but actually to use your fans as a promotional tool. It sounds extremely robust and much more 
um, expansive than my initial thoughts on it when you were talking about it. That's really cool. Um, so my last question before I pass it off to Nick, um, and again, this is going to be for the artists, but if someone is interested, uh, how can they get involved? Yeah, totally. So if you go to our website with the band.co has all the information on fan crews and has a little form you can fill out and we'll uh, message you back to start talking more about you starting your own fan crew. Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. So with that, uh, Sarah, that was awesome having you on. Um, I will definitely be checking out more about fan crews. Um, hopefully there will be a fan crew for NF that I can all, you know, hang out <laughs> with my boys. Cause right now it's just me and Christian and like a couple friends from home, but you know what, maybe, maybe we'll get out there. Um, yeah. with that. Yes. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, and that was another awesome episode of artist to artist presented by artist public. If you liked it, don't forget to check any of the links below. We'll be having Clubhouse links, links to with the band and all this stuff. And also share, send to friends, send to friends, anybody that you think would be interested, five-star reviews, really anything. And maybe if you give us a five-star review, Christian will make a fan club for you. He will, he will be the one person fan club um, for anybody that gives us a five-star review. Um, so with that, we are out.